we encourage the body, you know, through the word of God. Uh, Miki, my wife, she is uh, more of a teacher. She has a, a, a teaching anointing, I would say. You know, uh, I find myself being more of an encourager, you know, uh, just trying to say, man, look, we can do this. We can like God has provided everything that we need, you know, exhorting the body of Christ. And sometimes exhorting the body of Christ is not just like cheerleading or anything like that. But you have to say some hard things sometimes. There's, there's some challenges that take place, you know, as you are exhorting the body of Christ. So today we're going to talk about the progression of sin, the progression of sin. And our main text is going to be Second Samuel chapter 11. And before we get to that, um, we have to understand that sin is destructive, right? Uh, my prayer for myself and for every follower of Christ is that we would see sin the way that our father sees sin. I think a lot of times we uh, uh, get caught up in things because we don't see or understand how destructive sin is. And so, you know, when we are tempted and we have those moments that, that there are times when we are not um, uh readily thinking about what we're doing. Like this is something that separates us from God. Right. And so I'm, I'm hoping to encourage the body of Christ, those who are listening, you know, that we would uh, hold fast to God and that we would understand the progression of sin. It has a progression. It starts off one way and it ends uh, a whole nother way. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. You know, the Bible says in James chapter one, verse 15, just to start us off, it says, but each one uh, is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it has run its course brings forth death. You see the, the progression, or I like to say the regression of sin. It starts off one way. There's a temptation. There's a temptation that comes. But when we give in, we've been carried away and enticed by our own lust. A lot of times we try to blame somebody else. The devil made me do it. No, no. A lot of times it's our own sinful nature, our own sin that lies within that we give into and we're carried away and enticed by our own lust. But then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it's run its course, when it's gone all the way. The end result is death. The Bible says that the wages, the payment for sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. But the payment or the wages of sin is death. So it's so important that we see sin the way that God sees sin. Sin is insidious. Sin is destructive. Sin will demoralize you, and ultimately, sin ends with death. And when we don't recognize sin uh, as nothing to be played with, we have already lost. When we when we're kind of like dabbling around and you know saying seeing how far that we can go with certain things, playing around with it, we've lost. We 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 we've lost. You know, we have to understand that this stuff, man, it, it, it is destructive. 
it is destructive. The progression of sin and what the outcome of it uh, is, is displayed in 2 Samuel uh, chapter, we're going to look at chapter 11. But before we get to that, in Romans, and I love this scripture, and I love to read this scripture in the King James Version. You know, I'm not like a King James Version only guy, but there are certain scriptures I feel like, man, maybe it's because of how I learned them. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, For what, what uh, soever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So as we go back and we look at the Old Testament and we look at what happened there and even just throughout the word of God, these things were written before time or for time for our learning. It encourages us. So we, we look at the lives of, of, of people like David and Daniel, you know, Joseph, and we derive strength from that. We derive insight from that. You know, it's a sad thing, you know, that that study came out, that, that, that survey that showed that only like 37 percent pastors have a biblical worldview. man, what are we doing? The word of God instructs us everything in our lives. We look towards the word of God for instruction. And so when we, when we don't do that, we put ourselves as a, at at a loss, but whatever was written aforetime was written for our learning. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at second Samuel today, uh, chapter 11. I'm going to read it. And then we're going to make some, uh, some observations about the progression of sin. It's amazing. The progression of sin. You know, it would, do, it would do us well to read the scriptures regularly, but more importantly, to let the scriptures read us. You know, I often say uh, in my scripture reading, the Holy Spirit stops me at certain points. I get to certain scriptures and, I, and the Holy Spirit's like, stop right here, and I want you to concentrate and meditate on this. I found that to be a great thing. I actually look for that. I look for those times because sometimes we can get so caught up in, in reading a chapter, or reading two chapters, or doing whatever it is that we have set our minds to that, you know, we don't really even take the time to read it and to understand and to let the Holy Spirit open, you know, the word of God to us. So a lot of times when I'm reading, he'll say, stop right there. Uh, something that will stick out, something to jump out of the pages. And I'm like, man, I, I've read this before, but I see it in a different way. Man, I love that. I love that because he, he impressed upon my heart that it's more about how much scripture I can live than how much I can read or how much I can even memorize. While those things are great. How much can I live? And I'm constantly reminded of that fact that I need to live out the scriptures. It's not good enough for me to just to know it, head knowledge, to be able to regurgitate and talk about, man, how much can I live? And so I'll start reading 2 Samuel chapter 11. So in 2 Samuel chapter 10, David had just come off a victory against the Ammonites. 
And it's very tempting. Now, check this out. It's very tempting after great times of victory where we see the enemy defeated or we overcome something in our lives um, that we can become lax. We can celebrate, you know, and, and kind of get out of focus. Uh, we have to be on guard because the enemy just uh, like he did with Jesus after he defeated uh, him, like Jesus was tempted, but he defeated the enemy, right? He defeated the enemy and the enemy had to flee, had to leave. But the Bible said that he would, he said he would come back. The enemy would come back at a more opportune time. That's what happened with us as well. We, ha- we, we on these spiritual highs and things happen and man, God has given us the victory and we're, we're moving and we're growing in God. And then we get relaxed. And here comes the enemy. He sees that as an opportune time where he want to come in and, 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 and get us in that weakened state. So David had just come off a of victory, defeating the Ammonites. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter uh, 11, then it happened in the spring at the time where kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they brought destruction on the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed in Jerusalem. Now, at evening time, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of, of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent servants and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and had her brought. And when she came to him, he slept with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. But the woman conceived. So she went, she sent word and informed David and said, I am pregnant. Mm. We're talking about the progression of sin. We're talking about David coming off a, a high as far as, you know, victory and overcoming his enemies, things going on. But then he finds himself in a situation. How will this turn out? What the Bible will tell us. And we're going to get into some of the details of what David did and what he didn't do. Man, that that caused him to get caught up. But this is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio Monday with Will. And I'll be back right after this. Instead of making excuses and blaming when you sin, face it, the truth is, say, I'm the problem. My heart's sick as a leper. My biggest dilemma's my sin in the center of me. I'm the problem. Yo, I'm stubborn and stiff-necked, loving what's wicked. The judge I don't respect, cause I'm the problem. And it isn't our spouses, though kids are a challenge. The sin it is countless, but I'm the problem. It can't be This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. 
uh, Will Addison holding it down today. Um, Mickey will be joining tomorrow, Lord willing. We'll be back full, full steam, you know, uh, with the biblical commentary and the things that the Lord has laid on our hearts. But today I'm talking about the progression of sin, the progression of sin. And so I was reading from 2 Samuel chapter 11, and it, it, it talks about how uh, right after a great victory, David uh, basically was not where he needed to be. Uh, he sent his men out to, to do um, some things that he was supposed to be involved in as well. And it said that evening, he got up from, from his bed and walked around uh, the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Uh, so we're going to get back, get back right into the scripture. In verse uh, 6, it says, Then David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah the Hittite uh, to David. And when Uriah came to him, David asked about Joab's well-being and that the people, that of the people and the condition of the war. But then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. Uh, so Uriah left the king's house. And a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and did not go down to his house. Now when David, uh, now when they had informed David saying Uriah did not go down to his house, David said uh, to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to, the, to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in temporary shelters. And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are camping in the open field. Should I then go to my house to eat and drink and sleep with my wife? By your life and the life of your soul, I will not do this thing. Then, say, then David said to Uriah, stay here today also and tomorrow I will let you go back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the day after. Now David summoned Uriah and he ate and drank in his presence and he made Uriah drunk. And in the evening, Uriah went out to lie on his bed with his Lord's servants and he still did not go down to his house. So in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. He had writ, uh, written in the letter the following. Station Uriah on the front line of the fiercest battle and pull back from him so that he may be struck and killed. So it was as Joab kept watch on the city that he stationed Uriah at the place where he knew there was valiant men. And the men of of the city went out and fought against Joab, and some of the people among David's servants fell, and Uriah the Hittite also died. Then Joab sent a messenger and reported to David all the events of the war. He ordered the messenger, saying, When you have finished telling all the events of the war uh, to the king, then it shall be that if the king's wrath rises, and he says to you, why did you move against the city uh, to fight? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? 
who struck Abimelech? Did a, did a woman not throw an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died at Thebes? Why did you move against the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite also died. So the messenger departed and came and reported to David everything that Joab had sent him to tell. The messenger said to David, the men prevailed against us and came out against us in the field. But we pressed them as far as the entrance of the gate. Also the archers shot at your servants from the wall. So some of the king's servants died and your servant Uriah the Hittite also died. Then David said to the messenger, this is what you shall say to Joab. Do not let this thing displease you for the sword devours one as well as another. Fight with determination against the city and overthrow it and thereby encourage him. Now, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband Uriah was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the time of mourning was over, David sent servants and had her brought to his house and she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. Wow. What what a story. You know, you see firsthand, you see and you read what David did, how he interacted, you know, uh, with Uriah, what his plan was. You see it all. And that's something about the word of God. It does not hide our, our imperfections. So when you're talking about someone like David, who is a man after God's own heart, you know, man, but he did something that was very wicked in the sight of the Lord. Very wicked. So there are a few things I want to kind of touch on um, from these scriptures. And remember, we're talking about the progression of sin. Number one, it's important to be where you're supposed to be. <laughs> it's important to be where you're supposed to be. Now, that may seem simple, you know, that may seem like straightforward. But man, check out, you know, where David was. The Bible says, then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle, David was a what? He was a king. So at a time where kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they brought destruction on the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabah. But David stayed in Jerusalem. One of the ways that we can... Um, withstand temptation or even being involved with, with sin is being where we're supposed to be. See, a lot of the times the battle uh, is, is set when we're not in position. When we're not, when we're not where we're supposed to be, we can find ourselves in big trouble. Men, we get caught up watching things uh, we are not supposed to watch or talking with people we're not supposed to be having conversations with because we are not where we're supposed to be. One thing we can learn from the situation with David is that he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Therefore, the opportunity for temptation was greatly elevated. It was greatly elevated. 
we're going to see the progression of sin. He was not where he was supposed to be. How many times have you found yourself in a, in a tight place and you know, man, I shouldn't even be here. Man, you know, something just brought me. I'm not even supposed to be here. And that if you were not in that place, you'd be fine. But you found yourself in a place where you shouldn't be. And then it went all downhill from there. I've had those situations. And I, and I'm, I, I know that there are a number of people have had those, have had those situations where, man, you find yourself out of alignment. You're not where you're supposed to be. And, man, things just kind of go down from there. Number two, gazing too long leads to action. Gazing too long can lead to action. Going back to our scripture, verse uh, two, it says, Now at evening time, David got up from his bed. Now he was, now, look, he was supposed to be out with the kings when they go to war and battle, but he's chilling. He's, you know, he's stretched out. But now at evening time, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Now, this could not have been just a normal, you know, look. He gazed upon this woman. But what was happening in his heart? What was happening in his heart? The Bible says the woman was very beautiful in appearance. And that that gaze led to action. Verse three. So. So David sent servants and inquired about the woman. Now, check this out. He wanted to find out about her. He saw he gazed. He saw something was happening in his heart. Lust was beginning to form, you know. And he asked about you like, man, who is this? And someone said. Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of, uh, of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So he knew full well. He got the information that this was some, someone's wife. And not only someone, someone that was loyal to him. Someone who, man, as, you, as we read on, you see that he would not go and be away from, you know, uh, uh, enjoy himself and be away from the other soldiers, you know, to be with his wife and to go home. He was like, nah, he was a loyal man. But David knew full well who he was. Then David sent messengers and had her brought. And when she came to him, he slept with her. Now, this wasn't a willing, you know, she wasn't a willing party. Like, this was a, the king saying, go get her. And he brought her in. This was evil. This was wicked. But you know what? If David would have been where he was supposed to be, this wouldn't have went down. <laughs> man, sin has a progression. And it's not funny, but when you think about it, it's like, man, isn't that how it happens? I'm flirting around with this. I'm, you know, doing this, doing that. And before you know it, you're waist deep. You're like, man. <laughs> You know, you're waist deep. You're like, man, you, you, you're down in it. That's it. It's amazing. So number two, gazing long leads to action. Remember that opening scripture we started off with? 
but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. We see that happening. He, he is enticed and carried away by his own lust. Then when a lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Okay, go get it. Like who, first of all, who is this? He get, he get the information. Finds out that she is someone's wife. Ah, I don't care. I want her. <laughs> Man, sin. I don't care. I want her. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's run its course, brings forth death. Let's keep going. Man, let's keep going. Number three. When sin is hid, uh, hidden, we will go through great lengths to make sure it stays that way. We want our sins hidden. We don't want nobody to know. We don't want anyone to know. You know, there's that saying uh, that sin will take you further than you want to go. It will cost you more than you wanted to pay. David goes through great lengths to conceal his sin. Man, he constructs this, this grandiose plan. So he sins after, after he finds out that she's pregnant. He's like, oh, man, I got to cover this thing. This is, this, is, this is bad. Can't you see the wheels turning, man? You've been in this situation before. Well, you're like, man, how can I cover this? I got I to do something. So David, he constructs this plan. He sends to Joab, who is, is his military leader. And he says, send me Uriah the Hittite. And so Joab sent Uriah to David. So he brought him in, sent him to David. And when Uriah came, David asked about the well-being and how things are going, how the, how's the war was happening. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So he, he's, he's like, look, man, take a break. Take a break. Go down and wash your feet. Be with your wife. He wants, he's like, man, go ahead, have, have fun. Go, 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 go have fun with your wife. And then what does Uriah say? Number one, he does not go down. And then David brings him back in. He's like, man, I told you to go home. Can you see David? Like, man, he's probably getting flustered. Like, man, my plan is not working. I'm trying to get him to sleep with his wife. So that she would be, you know, everybody thinks she's pregnant for him. But it ain't working because why? Because God's in control, number one. Uriah is loyal. Man, Uriah is a loyal man. So then he didn't go down. So he sent him down again. He's, and this time he sends him down with a gift. He wants him to get drunk. He's like, this time I got him. Go ahead, be with your wife. And again, Uriah is like, no, I can't do this thing. I can't do this. All my, all my friends and, and my brothers are fighting. They're in battle. So he, he, he don't go down to his house. He lays right there. So David's like, man, this plan is not working. The progression of sin. I got to take it up a notch. Yo, Joab. I want you to put your eye on that front line. And when the battle is hot, everybody pull back. Ooh, man. Can y'all see it? Look, the progression of sin is real. This is exactly how this stuff happens. 
We're going to continue on after this. This is Arena Addison's here on American Family Radio. Be right back. here on American Family Radio, Monday with Will, and um, we're talking about the progression of sin. Um, that right there was Trip Lee with a song called Witness. Um, man, so the last point that I left off with was that when sin is hidden, we will go through great lengths to make sure it stays that way. And look, I just call on, on you right now just to con- just to kind of consider, you know, those situations that you've had in your life, man. You like try to hide these things and say like, you know, you're trying to get away with stuff. Like we've all been there, and we we're looking at the life of David, and these things that were written were written aforetime for our learning, you know, so that we can uh, uh, understand how we should deal with these issues. But I want to um, kind of speed up here. The fourth point is there's always a chance to stop the cover up. There's always a chance. To stop the cover up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except uh, something common to mankind. And God is faithful. So he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Now, if we look back on David in this situation, he had time to stop the cover up. So when Uriah didn't go down the first time, right? Well, David dug in a little deeper. He was like, okay, I'm going to send him away again. I'm going to ask him about it, and I'm going to send him away again. But this time, you know, I'm going to give him a gift. I'm gonna, I want to get him drunk so that he'll do what I want him to do. That was a time that God was giving him a way of escape. It should have been where his heart was like, oh, man, this is wrong. Man, my plan is not working for a reason. No, but he dug in a little bit deeper, brought him, gave him the gift. He still didn't go down and do what David wanted him to do. So he was like, man, I got to get rid of this. Matter of fact, he said, I got to get rid of Uriah. Man. And so then he dug in deeper, put him on the front lines, and everybody pulled back. Mm-hmm. Put him on a front line and everybody pulled back. Our sin will take us further than we intended to go. And we see it right here. That there was a way of escape that God did provide. By the plans not working, that was God's mercy. That was like, David, you can still stop. You know, Uriah is not going down to his wife the first time. But he dug deeper. And then he kept digging deeper. And we do that from time to time ourselves. Instead of repenting and saying, Lord, I see what's going on. You know, we're so caught up in what's happening 
that we just dig deeper. Now, I got to make this right. I got to do this. I got to cover this up. And God is desiring that, man, we would be able to see that way of escape, that we would take that off ramp, that we would get off this highway of sin. And we'll take that off ramp and go to him and repent. But he didn't do it. So then now what? So now Uriah is put out in the front of the battle. And when the battle is the fiercest, they pull back and Uriah is killed. And it's amazing, you know, what uh, the report. So it's amazing the report and, and it's, it's, it's amazing uh, David's response. So Joab sends a report back to David and tells him all that happened. And then he mentioned your servant Uriah the Hittite also died. Now, this is now David gets what he wants. Now, this is it. He's like, man, he probably felt at that moment. Ah, okay, we all good. We all good. But man, the eye of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. I want to read that again of verse 22. So the messenger departed and came and reported to David everything that Joab had uh, sent him to tell. The messenger said to David, the men prevailed against us and came out against us in the field. But we pressed them as far as the entrance to the gate. Also, the archer shot at your servants from the wall. So some of the king's servants died and your servant Uriah, the Hittite, also died. It was important that that he was mentioned. But look what David said. Wow. Then David said to the messenger, this is what you shall tell or say to Joab. Do not let this thing displease you. For the sword devours one as well as the other. Wow. So he's like, you know, this is war. Tell Joab, you know, sometimes, you know, a person may die. This, this one may die. That one may die. The, the, the sword devours one and the other. Man, how like, wow, uncaring is that? So he tells him, fight with determination against the city and overthrow it and thereby encourage him. Tell Joab, man, you know, we're going to lose soldiers. It's all right. You know, the, 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 the sword will devour. There's still no place of repentance. And then after that, he makes Bathsheba his wife. And she's mourning for her husband. And when you read other places in the Bible, it talks about, because in the lineage of Christ, you know, you see David, you see Solomon, who would be um, born from uh, the union of David and Bathsheba. But when the Bible talks about Bathsheba, it says Uriah's wife. <laughs> Uriah's wife. Like, this is something, man, you can't get away from. Like, David, you know, he dug in deep. But, man, this was Uriah's wife. So to fast forward, my last point. Number five is no matter how hard you try to conceal your sin, your sin will find you out. It will be exposed. It will be exposed. And in David's situation, when you go to 2 Samuel chapter 12, this is what it says. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him and said, there were two men in one city. The one uh, rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds. 
But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat at his, of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom. And was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man. And he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Wow. Now check this out. So David is hearing this scenario. He's hearing this story. It's like, man, this rich man took this poor man's one lamb to, 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 you know, to give to this traveler. So this is this is David's response in verse five, chapter 12, second Samuel. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man. <laughs> wow. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. So David's David is, is, is righteous. He's like, man. This man is like, I can't believe this happened. This man should die. But then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. It is I who anointed you king over Israel. And it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. <laughs> Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house. Because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Oh, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. Your sin will find you out. There are consequences to sin. Consequences. One of the consequences that David had to face was that the sword would never leave his house. And you see in the chapters following, man, this stuff happened. The word of the Lord was true. Nathan, the prophet, you know, was speaking the word of the Lord. And this happened. He had all kind of turmoil in his house. That that baby um, that was conceived died. And and Nathan says something, he said, you have given occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme. When we 
indulge in sin, we give the enemies of God an occasion to blaspheme. As believers in Christ, when we don't see sin the way that God sees it and we kind of dabble around, playing around, that's what happens. That's why those who don't know Christ, they look at the church and they think, they think it's a joke at times. They can clown the church on television. Comedians. Like, because a lot of times they haven't seen holiness. And we give occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme. Your sin will find you out. It will find you out. But the thing about David, he was called a man after God's own heart. And he repented. He repented. He said, man, (laughs) it's me. Yes, you're right. It's me. I'm a wretched man. You're right. It's me. If you look at Psalm 32, And I'll just read verse one through seven. The Bible says, how blessed is he? And this is David who's writing the psalm. How blessed is he whose wrongdoing is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is a man whose guilt the Lord does not take into account. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. Verse three, he says, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Man, have you guys I'm experienced this when you didn't go to God, you know, in repentance, but you try to maneuver and navigate your sin. Man, look. There was conviction, there was guilt, there was shame. But man, oh, the person who gets forgiveness for their sins, who comes to God and said, Lord, it's me. It's me. There's great joy for that person. It says, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality failed as with the dry heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you. And this is, this is, this is where we have to be. He said, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not hide my guilt. I said, I will confess my wrongdoings to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Some of you out there who are listening or holding on to things that uh, that, you know, is sin. There's guilt surrounded surrounding those issues. And the Lord is saying today that he's willing and ready and able and will forgive you your sins, but you have to acknowledge your sin to him. David said, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not hide my guilt. I said, I will confess my wrongdoings to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You forgave the guilt of my sin. Then he says, therefore, let everyone who is godly, pray to you in a time when you may be found. Certainly in the flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You keep me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Look, if that's you and you're holding on to sinful things, that if there's sin that you need to repent of, man, do it. Don't play around with that. Don't dabble around. Don't see how far you can go. 
If you've been trying to like hide certain things, man, bring it before the Lord and allow him to deal with you. We don't want to be slaves to sin. We don't want that. So I'm encouraging you. I'm exhorting you to see the progression of sin, but to deal with the sin that's in, in your life. Go before the Lord. This is Aaron Addison's. We'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing. Until then, God bless.